Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. This show is sponsored by Blockchain Terminal, a new tool for the hedge fund industry and institutional investors to confidently buy, trade, and invest in crypto. The Blockchain Terminal, developed by New York-based CG Blockchain Incorporated, is a new tool for the hedge fund industry and institutional investors to confidently buy, trade, and invest in crypto. The Blockchain Terminal bridges the gap between institutional investors and the cryptocurrency market. By combining market data from over 60 exchanges, information about upcoming ICOs, and news from publications and social media, the Blockchain Terminal gives you a complete picture of crypto trading. Institutional investors may hesitate to invest in cryptocurrency. However, CG Blockchain's unique compliance guard technology creates a compliance framework, placing you in a secured and monitored environment. The Blockchain Terminal offers you a consolidated order book showing the price and state of the market across multiple exchanges and a consolidated wallet that allows single account to trade on multiple exchanges using third-party applications, including the Blockchain Terminal. This means you can access on the third-party applications thousands of available cryptocurrencies from over 60 exchanges. The Blockchain Terminal runs on a digital token to be issued by CG Blockchain affiliate BCT Inc. This token is used to register and transact within the platform. The BCT Inc. token sale is available through the 30th of April 2018. Join BTC Inc. at tokensale.btc.io and visit the website btc.io for more information. Now, back to the show. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron, and today we're talking to Holly Glowati, and she is the co-founder of Flourish, and we're going to talk about branded currency. I didn't know what it was, but you know what I keep hearing is that it's going to be on the blockchain. So we're going to talk about that in this episode. But before we talk to Holly, please go to Crypto101podcast.com. That's Crypto101podcast.com. Go to the top of the page. You will see a contact us button. Send us an email if you like. Join our Facebook group. Our Facebook group is there to help you get into cryptocurrency, talk about cryptocurrency, or just, you know, nerd out about cryptocurrency. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a comment. Leave us a rating. It helps us a lot. Thank you very much for doing it if you have. Also, think about becoming a Patreon. The Patreons contribute a lot to Crypto 101, and we thank you very much for that. And finally, don't forget to click on the blog button and read some of the great blogs that are coming out from our blog writers. Oh, I almost forgot. Aaron Paul, he does ICO 101. Check him out on our sister podcast, ICO 101. Without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Holly, and we'll see you after the show. Holly Gowati, co-founder of Flourish. Thank you for coming on Crypto 101. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So, Holly, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about yourself, and then we want to go into something called branded currency. Now, I don't know anything about this. I went in Google, did some research, and the only thing I keep coming up with is it's new gift cards. And is that really what it is? I'm confused, and I'm really happy you're here to explain to me, the listeners, about this branded currency phenomenon that people are saying it's going to be with blockchain, and you're going to get rewards, and it's all going to be in one place, and one wallet. And okay, I'm going way down the rabbit hole too far, too fast. But is that okay with you? Yeah, let's do this. I can get nerdy about this all day long. I love getting nerdy. Cool. So, Holly, just tell us a little bit about yourself. 
I am one of those people that every time I tell someone what I do, they're like, you do what now? Because I came uh, actually from like a theater and poli sci background of all places. Mm -hmm. So I did sketch comedy and I worked political campaigns and I went back and got my master's in marketing communications and ended up just kind of working at like marketing agencies and sort of fell into this world of gift cards because I was told I would be marketing the JCPenney and Staples gift card portfolios. Well, I started getting all these questions about like, you know, who are your processors and do you guys use this kind of technology and do you look at points programs like this? So I always joke that I sort of fell into this, but I really feel like I did because just having to understand the gift card product got me really into payments and I haven't left since. Like I loved it so much. I just love that it's changing and um, how it affects people's lives. That's kind of how I ended up in it. I don't ever try to tell your theater professor that you're in branded currency because they just look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> like, what are you doing with your life? I mean, my parents are happy. <laughs> I also did a political science undergrad. Um, I'm doing my MBA right now. So it has nothing to do with cryptocurrency. But what about you? Where are you right yes. now? What time is it? Just tell us more about oh, you. Yeah. So I'm in Chicago. It is 8, 11 PM. And yeah, I have a dog named Sally. She is the best. She's like the chillest dog on earth. I love her to pieces. Yeah. No, if I could live off of one thing, it would be popcorn. Butter salt? Are you go fancy? No, I'm a traditionalist okay, when good. it comes to my popcorn. Good. So you're in Chicago. So you did a poli yeah. background and, and you went into marketing. Mm-hmm. What in marketing and how did this get into gift cards? I know you said JCPenney catalog. Mm-hmm. How did that fall into your lap? And then how did you move into it where you are today? Oh, man. So I was managing sponsorships for a major league soccer team and decided that I wanted to try something just very different. Went to a marketing agency and I was told JCPenney and Staples would be my clients there. And I was like, oh, that'll be interesting. I was focused on their gift card portfolios and I just started getting a lot of questions about the technology itself. So I I had to learn really fast all of the jargon. I don't know how I stumbled upon it. I feel like I got really lucky because I I loved it from the very beginning. I just thought it was so fascinating the way that gift cards are incredibly complicated and you would never think that they were. All right. Well, now now we're there. How is a gift card complicated? Let's get ready. ready. Um, I always joke that when you're first talking about gift cards, it feels like alphabet soup because there are a million acronyms. It's insane. So it's a closed loop environment, meaning the way that it processes, it can only be spent at one location, Mm -hmm. just for lack of a better term. You know, I can't use a Staples gift card at a Home Depot. So it's closed loop specific to Staples. Mm -hmm. So there's different processors for that. There's a lot of different laws that go into that. Each state in the U.S. gets to have their own law. What's the different processes? And what are the different laws in different states? Just for examples, because you could say that there's different mm-hmm. laws in different states, but somebody that is yep. not into gift cards doesn't know what that means. The laws are really interesting. So gift cards are seen as private property. Let's say you forget about a gift card and it's sitting in your drawer for 10 years. Technically, it can never expire. But a state could say, well, if it doesn't come in within five years, the retailer could take that liability because gift cards are a liability until they're redeemed. You can take that liability off your books. We can assume that gift card's not coming in. Mm -hmm. But if I did walk in, they still have to honor it. So they almost have to reactivate it, tell the government that, hey, we know who this property belongs to. We're going to have to make this active again. But for instance, if I know that you have a gift card and I know roughly where you live and I know that you didn't come in within five years, I have to basically sheet that money to the government, meaning I have to say, hey, here's 50 bucks. Matthew's going to come and claim it one day and you can claim it as lost property. Hmm. 
So a lot of retailers don't actually like to know that you are holding that gift card, which then creates all sorts of inefficiencies because there's no way to say, hey, you have money that you should be spending with us. Come on in and use it. Starbucks doesn't care because people use it frequently and they hardly have to deal with these achievement laws in the grand scheme of things. But a lot of merchants are just like, no, that accounting is just way too much. Let's move along. If, if you don't come in, you don't come in. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Super interesting. So what, what, yeah. what are other like examples of, of laws and like processes for the gift cards? So that's probably the biggest law that there's no expiration mm-hmm. on gift cards. So if anyone tries to tell you that your gift card expires in the US, it does not. Very interesting. Yeah. It says gift card on it. It technically can't expire. So what if um, the company goes out of lawsuits. business? Then it's just done? Oh, it's done. So a gift card is a liability. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in bankruptcy, it's not an asset. So there's no need to recover it. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. When you're a consumer who sees that you, like, for instance, with Toys R Us, this was the first time I'd seen that many stories about people saying, redeem your gift cards now. I think enough people have been burned recently by retailers going out of business that they now understand, listen, you got to spend it before you lose it because hmm. it's just lost money. Then. Okay. So when I mean, this is a closed system, like you said, and I mm-hmm. think that this is a relevant question for the times today, what kind of data are they collecting? I assume that they want to know about spending habits. Do they know who has the gift card? How do they, besides just, you know, getting revenue or gifting somebody some money to use at a certain space, what benefits do they have? That's really interesting. So a lot of merchants actually do not collect information on who's holding the gift card because it was traditionally supposed to be a gift. So I could have been the purchaser, but that doesn't matter because I probably gifted it to somebody. So I'm not the person holding the gift card. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those achievement laws I discussed kind of encourage them not to collect data on who's holding it. But on top of that, when it is something that doesn't necessarily stay in the hands of the purchaser, that that information gets lost because it could be passed to five different people and there's no real process for tracking where the property went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't really collect a lot unless you tie it to a loyalty program or store it in an app or a wallet. Then they might attach um, some personally identifiable information that you provide when logging into that app or that wallet or that loyalty program. There you go. Perfect segue into the loyalty program because you mentioned this before, a point system and loyalty programs. Yeah. What are those? How do you get tied to a, like an app or wallet? I guess we're talking about the Apple wallet and you have your Starbucks yeah. card in there and all that other shit. Yeah. And then so how does that work? How does that ecosystem work? Kind of depends on which one you're using. I mean, some merchants have their own wallets that live within their app. But if you're doing something like the Samsung wallet, you know, if you store something in there, technically, if it has a barcode, it can be scanned. Mm -hmm. And that's how you'd store that in there. But if you're doing something like a Starbucks app, that's a whole other experience. You know, you sign in, they tie all your stars to it. You tie your name to it so that you can keep earning and reloading your gift card through your PayPal account. There's a lot of benefits to tying a gift card to a loyalty program or a points program. Generally, it actually saves the merchant money. For instance, with Starbucks, if I was going to come in and pay with my credit card, the interchange fees that they would pay every time I swiped my credit card, it really adds up. Well, you know, Starbucks now sees... I think the last number I saw was something like 42% of in-store transactions are done on a gift card. Let's wow. say I'm loading 25. Yeah, it's insane because of their mobile wallet. If I am going through PayPal once to get 25 bucks loaded, I mean, let's just say I spend three to $5 each time. You're saving the interchange on at least four right. or five transactions, right? right? 
the, the cost savings are huge to me, massively outweigh the potential for someone to say, oh, I'm going to have to sheet money to the government. I think that's when it gets really cool in my mind. Okay. We have the gift cards. We know how they work. Mm -hmm. We know a little bit about some quirky laws. We know a little bit about yes. loyalty programs. We know that, you know, it saves a shit ton of money for Starbucks if, and 42% is a big number. I never used a gift card before, and that's crazy. So I, I guess I'm behind the times. And it tells you when you're getting old is when people start using shit you don't know about. <laughs> so now we have gift cards, and we all know what gift cards are. What is the shift to branded currency, and what does branded currency mean? Branded currency is still kind of a nebulous term, but the way that we define it at K&H Connection is that it is a tender that is branded for a specific use. The traditional products that kind of make that up are gift cards, loyalty points, promotional points or value, and then sort of those stored value programs. So anything that kind of holds a value has a brand attached to it and can be spent in a closed loop environment that kind of encourages specific use and can be used only in specific ways or what we focus on. Okay, so currency just means, you know, a, a way to buy something. Just a, it's, a, it's a medium mm -hmm. of exchange. So how does branded currency... Okay, here's my beef with this. Why are we yeah, calling yeah. it branded currency? And what is the marketing shift? What is the idea behind the marketers that yeah. says, instead of gift cards, we're going to call it branded currency? The thing is, is it's not just gift card. For me, the thing that bugs me the most is when I see that someone has a gift card program that doesn't tie to a loyalty program, and then their loyalty team has no idea that you know a coupon or a promotional offer has gone out from this other team in another department. So you see a lot of that in retailers. It's all very siloed. You don't see a lot of departments working with each other to create a really cohesive customer experience. So to us, what it has the potential to do is create a really cohesive customer experience for someone. I don't care that coupons reside in the marketing team and that gift card resides with the finance team. Like as a consumer, I don't care about that. What I want is to be able to walk in and say, well, I have this coupon and I have this gift card that better work together. Right. So what we're trying, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, but you run into that where they're like, oh, you can't do those two things together. And, but no one can tell you why. It's like, if you can combine a loyalty program and a gift card and anyone who's sending out offers, think about the power of that. Actually being able to daisy chain that information together mm -hmm. is really cool. And right now, most retailers can't do that, which is surprising to a lot of people. But and, it's- And why can't they do it? Because, so for instance, your loyalty program might be run through a third party. Okay. Your gift card is run through another processor. Your coupons are run through someone else. And then you have your affiliate marketing, which is run through someone else. And none of the data speaks to each other. It, it doesn't correlate. So to reconcile all of that information actually takes a really long time. And it's a very manual process. Mm -hmm. So if people would actually start to rethink the way that they're building these programs, other than doing it piece by piece, they're at a point where they know what they're looking at now. They've, they've had these programs in place. So why not create something where it's all very cohesive and works together, actually? I mean, it creates a much better customer experience. I think something like this has the power to actually change things for them. So is this where the blockchain comes in? Yes. Uh oh, now we're there. <laughs> so how does the blockchain work on this? I assume that it's going to blend all of that together. So mm -hmm. the, the two questions I have that come down, how does blockchain work with this, the loyalty programs, the gift cards, and I'm still going to call them gift cards because I hate this branded currency stuff. I'm not, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still not sold on the name. I will so, convert you. <laughs> keep working on it. So I have two questions that come out of that. First is blockchain is going to be the one that links to your loyalty programs, your, your, all your data and your gift cards and, and your coupons all together on one, say, ledger. So you can analyze, get the data, and it works together. And then the next yes. part is going to be, are you gonna be able to use gift cards outside of this closed 
ecosystem. Now, there's other companies coming out that are trying to do this. We just had one on ICO 101 the other day where they're trying to make sure that you can get all of your gift cards as a currency and then use them wherever you need to, wherever you go mm -hmm. as a way to, say, get your crypto out of the crypto ecosystem, create stability, yeah. and also not cash it back out into fiat where you're getting taxed. So what are these different steps along the evolution of branded currency? Okay, this is so great. So there, there's a lot of similarity, since we're saying gift card specifically for you, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities <laughs> when you look at <laughs> something that's like a closed loop environment like that, right? Like you have technically an anonymous currency. We're all used to dealing with that anonymity. So it's not uncomfortable for somebody who's in this space to say, okay, let's look at another anonymous currency and see what we can do with it. I think that's a real advantage here because again, you're not having to change that mindset. I think then, like you said, you can package it all together and understand that data a heck of a lot better than we can now. The reconciliation process now is it's cumbersome. So to do that is, I think, the ultimate goal for me. And I think where you took it to where the gift card becomes its own sort of tender that it doesn't matter. I mean, you can kind of swap between different brands. It's almost like each brand would have their own currency in the end. I would argue they already do, but it'll be, it'll be viewed and thought of more as their own currency, kind of in the way that we look at fiat and exchange rates. So it almost becomes like a, like a stock exchange for gift cards. So, okay, fine. Yeah. We already talked about the ecosystem. I kind of still am confused of what the companies are going to get out of this and what the client is going to get out of this. Having a gift card is okay. great because you have you have your Starbucks card. You go in there and it's convenient for you. But if you're going to move to a branded currency or gift card economy that's digital on the blockchain, how do you make mm -hmm. it easy for people? Because I do not want to open up my Apple wallet and have a shit ton of cards in there that I yeah. have to charge separately. It's just cumbersome to keep track and everybody has their own loyalty programs. Honestly, it's a pain in the ass that I don't want to deal with. Is there a future where this gets more streamlined, where it gets basically easier for the for the consumer? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think there are going to be ways for people to let, well, let, okay, so let me back up a little bit because one thing that we're noticing a lot anymore is that people are actually buying gift cards to use for themselves to help with budgeting. You have a, you know, the younger end of millennials are buried in debt. They're shying away from credit cards and actually doing a lot of budgeting with gift cards. It's really kind of surprising because it's not a gift anymore for them. Mm -hmm. And that's where this branded currency, I think, really sprung from. You see a lot of like gift card exchanges and marketplaces right now. It's almost like a game for a lot of people, seeing how they can save. They're doing this already with plastic. They're doing this already with a lot of barcodes. So you're right. The idea is to streamline this whole process for them, to make shopping kind of a game and to make it kind of fun is, um, I think the first step it's more or less just making these habits that we've all developed a little more streamlined. So how exactly that happens, I think is still down the road. I think we all know blockchain isn't great for microtransactions, which a lot of gift card transactions are small, you know, and they need to be fast if you want someone to be really happy with them. So I don't think we're there just yet, but I think th the blockchain has the potential to make this ecosystem work for people and to create a different process system for all of these different transactions. So so with the Flourish event, what what are you trying to do in that event to push branded currency, gift cards, the ecosystem, and, and what have you? Because we touched on blockchain. We're not sure of the future. But what are you doing to 
steer the future of this ecosystem? We basically get together merchants from North America and then payment technology companies from around the world come together and we say, okay, what can we do to make the retail experience better? This year we brought in people who are looking at everything from customer experience to the latest and greatest in processing. We look at every little piece in the value chain and we say, how can we improve it? All of this truly boils down to customer experience. If people don't want to use it, we're just spinning our wheels. What we've done is we brought in people who were, you know, we we had, I think, oh, and you had Mark Bonchek on your show. So Mark Bonchek came in and he took a lot of people who've never even looked at, you know, what blockchain could do for them and broke it down and said, here's how I think this could really steer things for retailers. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months, but don't worry when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recordings. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Ufi video lock is 24 seven. So you don't have to worry about any issues you have and it comes with an 18 month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
We had Bridget Brennan talk about all her research she's doing in terms of customer experience and loyalty. So what we're trying to do is attach behaviors Mm -hmm. to payments Mm -hmm. and say, hey, a payment doesn't have to be just a transaction or a transaction doesn't have to actually just be payment. It can be an interaction. It can be the first touch point they have when they receive a card. So really, it's just looking at everything very holistically and trying to get people to say, hey, maybe we should reach across the aisle and talk to the other department and make this better. Okay. Again, I'm still having a problem. I'll be honest. I hate gift cards. I hate, <laughs> I hate cards. I hate credit cards. I hate anything that's in my wallet that makes it bulky. I hate things that are on my phone yes. that everything seems a little scattered and, and yes. it's just messy. And I'm still not convinced that because what you just said is you're talking to these different companies to you know streamline, optimize their gift card gifting yes. behavior and make it good yes. for the end user. But they're still in their own little companies or what have you. And then I'm still going to have a, an app open in my wallet with 100 or some diff- different gift cards. Who's talking about you know bridging that gap? Who's talking about me just walking in with the universal gift card and going and basically isn't that a credit card? And so why do we need this? I, I, I'm, I'm still confused. Well, so you have to understand that you're in the minority. When you I talk am. to people, you know, <laughs> that's the other thing. We're trying to speak to the audience that's out there saying like, listen, I don't trust this crypto business. Like this is insane. I don't know what you're doing. You know, like, I mean, my mom called me and was like, I hope you're not invested in Bitcoin. And I was like, A, what do you know about Bitcoin? Uh, B, why? (laughs) She's like, well, I've heard it's not good. I mean, but that's, that's the general public. A lot of people would say they don't trust it. And so what we're trying to do is say, okay, let's take products that are familiar to people and get them to adopt it without even thinking about it. You know, what we have to do is, is make it easy for the general public to adopt these technologies so they can become more mainstream. And I think gift cards a very easy way to do it, especially because it is a closed environment. You can try different things without it affecting like a massive ecosystem. It, it gives those opportunities in the space for us to try something on the blockchain without having to change behaviors too much. Are there any companies saying that they're going to take Bitcoin or Ethereum or Litecoin as payments for these gift cards? Not so much right now. I mean, like, you know, I would say like um, so first data acquired a company called Gift. Has, it, has, um, that, has that conversation ago. even happened? Uh Yeah, for some it has. You know, I feel like it was happening more about like a year or two ago. And then I think merchants were kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. So now the, the conversation is more switching to how do we use distributed ledger for our own benefit? Hmm. How do we do it to make a more secure processing system? How do we do it to tie all these programs together and not spend tons of money trying to reconcile every transaction that walks in our door? Mm-hmm. So for a merchant, there are real efficiencies that this affords. There's a lot of streamlining. There's a lot of data mining. They all sit on an incredible amount of data, but half the time it's just really hard to make it all speak to each other and to make it all make sense because it's it's sitting in 10 different systems. That's the big opportunity here is to create those efficiencies and those touch points with consumers. And I think blockchain, or even I would argue the Tangle, offers that opportunity for merchants. Is this just another data grab? I mean, once they get more efficient of getting data and knowing how to use it, and then, then they can sell it. Um, Is Starbucks revenue 20% of it going to be coming from our data? No, honestly, no, because they're just going to use it to actually understand how their customers are behaving. Retailers spend a ton of money and time trying to look at consumer behaviors. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that, I mean, payment behavior is such a strong indicator. And when one of the major tender types that you're accepting is anonymous, but there's this opportunity to actually learn more about that consumer, I mean, that's a huge miss. 
in mm. my book. And so merchants have always been studying consumer behaviors and they don't want to share it with someone else because they want you walking in their door, right. you know? So they're not going to sell it to someone else. I think they would rather just be able to bring these things in house and not have to have a million agencies doing these for, things for them. And so, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's data, but they already have it. They just don't know how, they just aren't using it in the most optimized way right now. When you're standing in um, Walmart and you buy your mm -hmm. gift card from the line there, iTunes or, you know, Home Depot. Yeah. Does Home Depot have gift cards? They do. Oh, really? Oh my gosh. Give somebody a hammer? <laughs> you can. Dude, they have an awesome gift card program, no actually. Shit. One of the biggest things on the blockchain right now is about your data. It's like, is this mm -hmm. a way we're talking about social medias are coming out on the blockchain? There are companies that are there as a barrier to protect your data from Facebook mm -hmm. and Google and stuff like that. And it seems as though if you were in Walmart and you bought your gift card, it is anonymous. Yeah. You, you give this to somebody mm -hmm. 25 bucks and they go to Walmart, I'm just going to Home Depot and they buy a hammer and nobody knows where the hammer goes and you're distracting. But now that you're putting it into your data, you're, you're putting it into your phone, you're putting it into your PayPal, you're putting it into your credit cards and you're linking all this stuff together and now it's on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. Are we going to just go down the same rabbit hole with our data as Facebook is or Google is and where we're sitting there going, well, now it's all these other companies, you know, but and they're doing mm -hmm. it differently and they tricked us into it again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know. I totally, I totally get that. I, I think about this all the time. There's a lot of things about this. I try to approach cautiously. I think a lot of money laundering happens through loyalty point programs and gift cards. Really? I mean, how? Oh yeah. People would not expect that because it's anonymous. There's a lot of fraud that happens there. And so, wait, 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 wait. Um, go, let's go back to that. How does that happen? Uh -huh. Do we have the drug dealer going into Walmart and just buying a shit ton of gift cards and sending it home? Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. You, it's, it's an easy way to exchange. Yeah. People launder money that way. Some of my favorite people are the guys who like dig deep into gift card fraud because they are true sleuths, you know, and like people will lose all of their points because someone will take over their account. It's like heartbreaking because, you know, it's supposed to be found money. It's supposed to be fun. Like these things are supposed to be the fun way to interact with the brand. Mm -hmm. When I earn points, like I love my airline miles <laughs> when I can get a free flight home. I'm like, yes, you know, and so I might be more nerdy about that than others, but it's fun. Yes, I think there is a slippery slope when it comes to data and how it's used. But I also think that merchants already have this. I would like to see them take better care of it. I mean, think about all the breaches you've seen mm -hmm. lately. You know, that's because there's inefficiencies in these systems. Mm -hmm. I would rather, if they're already going to have this PII, I would rather they're taking better care of it, in my opinion, and, and using something more secure like the blockchain if they're going to handle it. When there's so many points of exposure for a merchant, because it's, you know, it's not just online, half of these things happened at the point sale just from swiping your credit card because you know someone opened an email somewhere and then it infiltrated the point of sale systems throughout the entire store network so to me this situation is where i would say i would rather things be more secure and that's what i see the real benefit being especially for a consumer just the security piece from a business point of view how mm -hmm. much return on your investment do you get from these loyalty programs and gift cards is mm. it i mean it's a huge investment to say, okay, we're going to do a gift card. We're going to create the systems. We're going to talk to mm -hmm. people like you. We're going to yep. make little aprons so you can put your gift cards in to so put it in the front <laughs> of the store. And that, that is a huge investment. And then to get all of the it stores, in, you know, or what have you. And what does this do for their brand? What does this do for their, their bottom line? Mm -hmm. You know, gift cards are in the U.S. alone are $165 billion business. People stop. don't realize how big. It's just yeah, stop. I'm dead serious. Yeah, I know. And I'm on a <laughs> podcast and I'm not making gift cards. That's <laughs> what it is. No one expects it. People, I mean, Seriously, when you go from being in sports marketing to going into gift cards, everyone looks at you like you're nuts. So I'm used to this reaction. <laughs> 
I mean, really, it's huge and it's growing. Like when you look at the predictions, I mean, we're nowhere near peaking in, in this industry, especially as more people are using them for self-use. I mean, a lot of that is like your everyday purchases, like your Starbucks, your Dunkin' Donuts, things like that that are small transactions, mm-hmm. but add up. And the reason it works so well is because they tied it to a loyalty program. So we're going to keep seeing things like this grow as more people start to tie all of their programs together. Gift card is being adopted more and more. Whether you want to believe it or not, it's happening. <laughs> well, I'm actually going to look up for my Apple Wallet app because I don't even know where it is. And I'm, I'm going to do my uh, Starbucks gift card. I have well, to now try you got to tie it to your Starbucks app. You got to download the app if you want it to be oh, geez, the already, real seamless experience. Oh, already too much of a pain. And then yes, it's going to become... <laughs> I'm done. That is, that is the problem, though. I will tell you, I don't keep a lot of wallets on my phone. I'm looking at it now, pulling out my phone. I, of course, have my, my Samsung wallet and my Samsung Pay. But then otherwise, it's Starbucks and I have Dunkin' on here that I pay with. And then if you want to count Lyft and Uber, because technically they store value for me. Yeah, I have. I, I, I lived in China for, for 13 years. Have you ever been to China? I have not. It's so on my list. I... It pisses me off. This this literally pisses me off because in the West, yes. anywhere outside of China, everybody's trying to do what China is doing, yet they're doing mm-hmm. it poorly. Yes. And there's this app called WeChat and yes. WeChat is connected to your bank account. Through this app, you can do everything. Your Uber, mm-hmm. your payments, your you can buy things on Amazon or yes. Alibaba all through this one app. I don't have to recharge anything. I could charge my phone, pay my bills, mm-hmm. order plane tickets, train tickets, everything I want to do through yeah. this app. If I was a small business, just a podcaster, all I need to do is put my QR code, people scan it and pay for my services. This is yep. all through one app. And so when I hear these different companies saying, okay, now you need to download my app and go into this wallet and stuff oh. like that, it's like, why don't you guys just do it the way that, that China's doing it already? I'm with you. I would love that. Problem is, is we're all built on legacy systems in the US and it becomes really expensive to do that. So it's like not even for a merchant, it's just not worth it. It's not worth the investment in you know connecting to an API and then trying to make it so that your point of sale accepts something. I mean, it's just they won't do it because it's not worth it for them. So but I mean, b- blockchain and Bitcoin and these other things are doing away with these legacy systems. But it seems like you, yeah. like you just said is they don't want to deal with that anymore. They talked about it. They don't want to do it, go through the, the Bitcoin, Litecoin route, but they want to use mm-hmm. the blockchain, which still makes it silent <laughs> and a pain in the ass for me. Listen, I think now that the U.S., especially because the U.S. switched to like chip and pin, Mm. actually caused a lot of systems to update, which then meant the hardware is not as old and clunky and unconnected as it used to be. So now a lot of things can happen with a simple software update through like point of sale, which is really good because let me tell you, the first thing I always hear is, does it have to touch point of sale? Then no. Like people just say no if it has anything to do with that. So the fact that this update has forced a lot of people to kind of seriously upgrade their hardware and their software means there's a lot more opportunity. But you also have to kind of take into account that you then have a society of people who uh, don't trust paying with their phone. So you have to kind of take those baby steps with them to say, here, trust this. Here is this very physical piece of plastic that you're used to swiping or scanning. And you don't have to know how it works, but if we can figure out a way to make these very common tender types or just these physical totems kind of work for people, then we can ease them into using this technology and kind of get us there. But yeah, it really, it is super frustrating. As someone who loves all these different opportunities for payments and especially any way to streamline something and, and it just being so hard to adopt here in the US. Mm. Um, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. I'm with you on that. All so right. I'm trying to figure out my I see my job as easing everyone into that. Right on, right on. 
You mind if we go into some general questions? Oh yeah, let's do that. Well, it's uh, no more no more gift cards. I think everybody knows about gift cards now and know that <laughs> it, uh, it's a. I have never had someone do this conversation this long with me. This was my nerdy little heart is very happy. I know you want to go to your Netflix. <laughs> Even and though show I know tonight. you're skeptical. I am skeptical, one hundred percent. You know, it's it, not for you though. It's it, not your behavior pattern. No, you know, you know, it, it could be. And there's two things. It's either a that I don't live in the states and I'm not yeah. part of the gift card world. And here in Taiwan, I'm in Taiwan right now, and yeah. they have the cards and they have gift cards and they just do it the old school way you know where you you still go to the coffee shop and get the stamps you know yeah. you get 10 stamps yeah. and you bring the card back and it's like i don't want to deal with that either everybody's yeah. trying to give me a card for their coffee shop but like i don't i'm not gonna do this i'm not gonna carry around this damn card i don't give a shit i'll pay for the coffee it's not worth a buck to me to carry around this you, card you, you are not my target audience my friend tons of people do <laughs> funny because like i never thought about it till i was in it quite honestly and it is amazing to watch i'm married to someone whose family is from poland and gift cards are not a big thing for them mm-hmm. they would prefer operating cash and so it really is a cultural thing very different country to country, even state to state. It's really different in the way that people behave. Elaborate on that. How is it different from Hmm. state to state? I actually had a really good conversation with someone about this. The brands you're loyal to are very different. So you get really accustomed to the way that those brands function. I was talking to someone who works with gas stations and he was saying that the people on the West Coast, when he's looking at like people in California, a lot of them are in tech field. They're happier to pay with their phone and use digital. Whereas sometimes in the South, you know, a lot of the stores will be uh, still, they only want to accept cash Mm -hmm. or uh, the way that loyalty program ran for years. They don't want to adjust to the big company that just bought this little brand out. So you have to like figure out how do you allow people to have the same behaviors, but now adjust. So it's really interesting to watch people in there, how they feel about anything that's new or different. Hmm. My parents are very proud of the fact that I work in payment technology, but my mom will not pay for anything online. You know, she wants to write a check. Wait, so, wait, 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 write a check. Yes. I'm not She'll even that old check. school. <laughs> I, I will tell her like, mom, oh my gosh, it's, it's not a secure way to pay. And I'll go down. She's like, that's fine. She doesn't care no matter what I tell her. And she totally gets like why I'm, I'm always on her about it. She's like, well, I just feel more comfortable with this. Hmm. And that's the thing. You have to like bring people who are comfortable with like an older school way of doing things into kind of <laughs> this new way of thinking. And behavior change is the hardest thing. Very fascinating to watch people's spending habits. It's not just about form factor. It's like, well, this is the card I use every day. So this is the one I'm using. You know, there has to be that incentive to get people to change their behaviors. And so that's a big part of this too. Do, Very do, you, interesting. do you hold any crypto? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, Perfect. Yes. What are, we, have, what are we holding over there? I've got Ethereum, Litecoin, Ripple, IOTA, and Bitcoin. Okay. How long have you been into the crypto space? Did you what, buy what Bitcoin is, at $20,000 or did you buy it no. at 1000 bucks? <laughs> I bought or it less. somewhere in the middle. I okay. think I, Less. I bought it somewhere in the middle, like when it was kind of creeping up. I was watching it for a long time. I didn't understand it. And I was, I just didn't know where to go to learn about it for a long time. And now I'm lucky I'm in Chicago because it's like every week there's some sort of crypto meetup I can go to. Mm -hmm. That's honestly when I started to learn was when I got hooked up with the community here. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. That's the one thing I love about this community. Everyone's really excited to learn and kind of share what they know. Everyone kind of rises together is the attitude around here. What advice would you give somebody in general if they were just getting into the crypto space as Crypto 101 is positioned to be that Mm -hmm. first step into the crypto space? What would would you tell them? I 
would actually tell people to invest. This is the other thing I like about crypto. It's like every crypto kind of has its own story. It depends on what it's backed by. It depends on, you know, what do you want people to be able to do with it? So find one that speaks to you and invest in it. And it's just the best way to learn because now now you truly are invested, right? Now you have a skin in the game. Once you put skin in the game, it's a very motivational thing. You just, you learn because you're like, well, shoot, I better know what happened to my money. You know, I, I think that's, the best thing someone can do is just read a little bit and figure out what speaks to you and invest in it and, and watch it and, and learn from that. Are you invested in the cryptos that you invested in for a purely monetary value or to, for those gains? Or is it, are there something behind those projects that you really like? I think Ethereum was the first one I bought because I just thought it was sweet. It was faster, the ability for more people to kind of build on it and understand it uh, and understand crypto. I thought the opportunity was just really cool with Ethereum. Then I would say... I got into Litecoin because I was like, well, I want to see what they're up to. And I think it's really interesting the way that that's backed and kind of the, the activity going on in there. Um, I would say IOTA is the first one where I felt like I was taking a bigger risk because I think the Internet of Things component with that is pretty cool. I really think I, I'm trying to get through the white paper on the tangle. But uh, as I said, I am not a math person. There's a lot of math in it. So it's taking me a little bit of time. Thank God my sister's an engineer. <laughs> I call her <laughs> like Kelly, explain. <laughs> um, so. And then Ripple, I've known about Ripple from their technology for years and years. And so when they came up with their own coin, I was like, all right, sweet, I got to invest in that because I've, I've just been following them for a really long time, just based on what they're doing in terms of like exchange and kind of connecting all those different currencies. Yeah, I just think everything has a different story and I invest in each of them for different reasons. Right on, right on. So the last, last question I have for you is what three songs would you like on the Crypto 101 Spotify playlist? Okay, I was thinking about this. Good. Number one, Beastie Boys. You need some intergalactic there. That's what I'm talking about, Beastie Boys. Yeah, number two, you know, I love Cage the Elephant, so I'm gonna go for Ain't No Rest for the Wicked. Okay. Um, and then I, I really, I, this is the, this was the hardest question to think about. It's like, what, what should my third song be? I thought about being a real smart ass here and just being like, well, the blockchain's going to connect everyone. So we need rainbow connection by the Muppets. Is that what we're going Kermit with? The Frog. I, I think I might just go for that. If because... it's on Spotify, that's what we're doing. Yes. Do it. <laughs> People will be like, what the hell? <laughs> I always like this question because it, it's one the hardest question for everybody because they only have a, a three questions to pick to represent yeah. themselves via music. And it really gives, uh, I think, the listeners a connection to the individual and see where, how, like, kind of who they are via their personality. Listen, I will tell you, the last time the Muppet movies came out, <laughs> this is the sort of thing my parents are going to hear and, like, cringe really hard. Uh, so I'm, I have five siblings, so all six of their grown children we're like, mom and dad, let's go see the new Muppet movie. No shit. And I was the one laughing the hardest in the theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all went. <laughs> you, you guys We're a Muppet went. family. <laughs> we all went. Oh, that's I'm awesome. I'm kidding you. There's, and there's a 14-year spread between us. So it's like 20s to 40s. <laughs> right on. Right on. Holly, thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101. And you have a great night. Hey, thanks. And you have a great day. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. I hope you enjoyed it. Holly, thank you very much for coming on the show. Before we go, ApogeeCrypto.com, that's A-P-O-G-E-E, Crypto.com, the best place to check your real-time prices. Also, WhenMoo.co, the best place for your news. And if you need a website, June can help you out. She did our website. 
and that's at wponthefly.co, wponthefly.co. Thank you very much for listening. And in the next episode, we are here with Chris Merkel of Exodus, and we're going to talk about design, customer service, and user experience for their wallet. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. This is Matthew Aaron. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.